Okay, so this is chapter one of Wings of Fire, the Black Prophecy. Part one, Under the Mountain. And... Six years later, chapter one. Clay didn't think he was the right dragon for a big heroic destiny. Oh, he wanted to be. He wanted to be the great mudwing savior of all the dragon world. Loris and Brave. He wanted to do all the wonderful things expected of him. He wanted to look at the world, figure out what's broken, and fix it. He wasn't a nat but he wasn't a natural hatched hero. He had no legendary qualities at all. He liked sleeping more than studying. He kept losing chickens in the cave during hunting practice because he was paying attention to his friends instead of watching others. His, he was all right at fighting, but all right wasn't going to stop the war and, and save the dragon tribes. He needed to be extraordinary. He was the best dragon at, so he was supposed to be scary. The, the scary, tough one. The might endures wanted him to be terrifyingly, terrifyingly dangerous. Clay felt about as dangerous as a cauliflower. Fight, his attacker howled, flinging him across the cave cavern. Clay crashed into the rock wall and scrambled back up again, trying to spread his mud-colored wings for balance. Red taloned right and he ducked away. Come on, the red dragon snarled. Stop holding it back. Find the killer inside of you and let it out. I'm trying. Maybe if I could stop and talk about it. He lunged for him again. Faint to the right. Faint to the left. Roll right. Use your fire. Clay tried to duck under rowing attack for from the below. But of course he rolled the wrong way. One of her talents smashed him into the ground, and he got pain. Which left was that useless? Special bowed in his ear. Are all about wings this stupid, or are you just deaf? Well, if you keep that up, I will be soon, Clay thought. The Skywing lifted her claws and wriggled free. He wriggled free. I don't know about other mud wings, he protested, licking his sore talons. But obviously, perhaps, we could just try fighting without all the shouting and see. He stopped hearing the familiar. He, he stopped hearing the familiar hiss that came before one of Kestrel's fire attacks. He threw his wings over his head and tucked his long neck. And enrolled to the maze of stalagmites that studded one of the corner of the cave. Flames blasted the rock around him, singeing the tip of his tail. Coward, the older dragon bellowed. He she smashed one of the rock columns into a shower of sharp black pebbles. Clay covered his eyes and almost immediately felt her stamped hard on his tail. Ow! You said stomping tails was cheating. He seized the closest stalagmite between his claws and glared down at his guardian. 
I'm your teacher, Kestrel snarled. Nothing I do is teaching. Get down here and fight like a Skywing. But I'm not a Skywing, Clay thought rebelliously. I'm a Mudwing. I don't like setting things on fire or flapping around in circles, biting a dragon axe. His teeth still ached from Kestrel's drool-hard scales. Can I fight one of the others? He asked. I'm much better at that. The other dragonettes were his own size, nearly. And they didn't cheat, well, most of the time. He actually liked fighting with them. Oh, yes? Which opponent would you prefer? The stunted sandwing or the lazy rainwing? Kestrel said. Because I'm sure you get to choose out on the battlefield. Her tail glowed like embers and she lashed it back and forth. Glory's not lazy, Clay said loyally. She's just not built for fighting, that's all. Love says there's not much to fight in the rainforest because rain wings have all the food they want. That He says that's why we... St- They've stayed out of the war so far because none of the rival queens want rain wings in their army. Anyway, he says, Stop yammering and get down here, Kestrel roared. She reared up on her back and flared her wings so she suddenly looked three times bigger. With a yelp of alarm, Kay tried to leap to the next stalagmite, but his wings unfurled too slowly and he smacked into the side of it Instead, sparks flew as his claws scraped down the dragon rack. He let out another yell of pain as Skechstrel snaked her head between the columns, seized his tail in her teeth, and lanked, yanked him out into the open. Her talons closed around his neck, and she hissed him in his ear. It was the violent little monster I saw when you hatched that's the dragon we need for the prophecy. Gulp. Clay squawked, clawing at her grip. He could feel the strange burn scars on her palm, scraping against the scales. His scales. This was how we battled training with Kestrel. Always ended. With him ferocious, and then sore or limping for days afterward him unconscious and so on towards fight back he thought get mad do something but the although the biggest of the dragon although he was the biggest dragonettes they were still a year away from being full grown and kestrel towered over him he tried to summon some helpful violent rage but all he could think well, it was. It'll be. It'll be over soon, and then I can go have dinner. So not the most heroic train of thought. Suddenly, Kestrel let out a roar, and dropped him. Fire blasted over Clay's head, and he hit the floor with a thud. The red dragon whirled around. Behind her, panting defiantly, was the seawing dragonette. Tsunami. A red gold scale was put. Caught between her sharp white teeth, she spat it out and glared at her teacher. Stop picking on clay, Tsunami growled, or I'll bite you again. Her deep blue scales shimmered like cobalt glass in the torchlight. The gills along her long neck were pulsing like they always did when she was angry. 
Kestrel sat back and flickered her tail around to examine the bite mark. She had bared her teeth at Tsunami. She bared her teeth at Tsunami. Aren't you sweet, protecting a dragon who tried to kill you while you were still an egg? But luckily, you, you big dragons were there to save our lives, Tsunami said. And sure we appreciate, because now we get to hear about it all the time. She marched around Costanza between Clay and Kestrel. Clay winced. He hated hearing the story. He didn't understand it. He'd never want to hurt other dragonettes, so why had he attacked their eggs during hatching? Did he really have a killer monster inside him somewhere? Well, the the other mind was... Rubs and Dune had said he'd been ferocious when he attacked. He had to throw him into the river to protect the other eggs from him. Kestrel wanted him to find that monster and use it when he fought. But he was afraid if he ever did, he would hate himself. And also, what everyone else. Thinking about he'd nearly, what he'd nearly done to his friends made him feel like all the fire had been sucked out of him. He didn't particularly want to be a violent, angry monster. Even if Kestrel thought that would be an improvement. But maybe that was the only way to make the prophecy come true. Maybe that monster was his destiny. All right, Kestrel said dismissively. We're finished here anyway. I'll mark another failure in your scroll, Mudwing. She snorted a small flame into the air and swept out of the cave. Clay flopped down on the floor as soon as her red tail had vanished from sight. It felt like every one of his scales were singeing from the burn. She's going to be so mean to you during your train tomorrow. He said to Tsunami, Oh no, the seeming dragonettes said, I've never seen Kestrel be mean before. That's so unexpected and out of character. Ow. Clay groaned. Don't make me laugh. I think my ribs are broken. Your ribs are not broken, Tsunami said, poking him in the side with her nose. Dragon bones are almost as high as diamonds. You're fine. Get up and jump in the river. No, Clay buried his head under the wing. His wing. Too cold. Jump in the river. That was Tsunami's solution for anything. Bored? Aching bones? Dry scaled? Brain overstuffed with the history of the war? Jump in the river, she chat whenever any of the other dragonettes complained. She could certainly did not care she was that she was the only one who could breathe underwater or that most of the dragon tribes hated getting wet. Clay didn't mind being wet, although he couldn't stand being cold and the underground river that flowed through their cave home was always freezing. Get in, Tsunami ordered. She she seized his tail between her front talons and started dragging him toward the river. You'll feel better. I will not, Clay shouted, clawing at the smooth stone floor. I'll feel colder. Stop it. Go away. Arg! His protest went up in a cloud of bubbles as Tsunami dumped him in the river. When he resurfaced, she was floating beside him, ducking all her head and splashing water over her scales 
like a beautiful overgrown fish. Clay felt like a gawky brown blob next to her. He splashed into the shallows and lay down on a submerged rock ledge when his head resting on the bank of the river. He wouldn't admit it, but the burns and angst did feel better in the water. The current helped wash away the smoky dust caught between his dry scales. Still too cold, though. He scratched his the rock below. Why wouldn't there just be a little mud down here? Kestrel will be telling one day when I'm the queen of the sea winds, Tsunami said, swimming up and down the narrow channel. I thought only a queen's daughter or sister could challenge her for her throne, Clay said. Tsunami swam so fast. He wished her, he had webs between her talent, his talents too, or gills, or a tail like hers. So powerful, she could nearly empty the river in one big splash. Well, maybe the sea wing queen is my mother and I'm a lost princess. Like in the story. Everything the dragon nurse knew were about uh, outside worlds came from scrolls picked up by the towns of peace. Their, fav- their favorite was the missing princess. A legend about a runaway sea-winged dragonette whose royal family tore up the whole ocean looking for her. The, at the end, she found her way home, and her parents welcomed her with open wings and feasting and joy. Clay always skipped the adventures in the middle of the story. He liked that last part, the happy mother and father, and the feasting. The feasting sounded pretty great, too. I wonder what my parents are like, he said. I wonder if any of her parents are still alive, Tsunami said. They didn't want to think about that. He knew dragons were dying in the war every day. Kestrel and Webbs brought back the news of bloody battles, scorched land, and burning piles of dragon bodies. But he had to believe his parents were still safe. Do you think they ever would ever miss us? Definitely, Tsunami flicked a spray of water at him with her tail. I bet mine were frantic when Webb stole my egg, just like in the story. And mine tore apart the marshes, Clay said. They had all imagined scenes of their parents' desperate searches ever since they were young dragons. Clay liked the idea that there was someone out there looking for him, that someone missed him and wanted him back. Tsunami flapped onto her back gazing up at the stone roof with translucent green eyes. <laughs> well, the towns of peace knew what they were doing, she said bitterly. No one could ever find us down there. They listened to the gurgle up and the torches crackle for a moment. We won't be underground forever, I said, trying to make her feel better. I mean, if the towns of peace to stop us this war they have to let us out sometimes he said behind his ear thoughtfully Starlight says it's only been two more years he had only had to hold on that long 
And then we can go home and eat as many cows as we want. Well, first we save the world. Then we go home and eat some cows. Right, said Clay. How are we going to save the world? was a little fuzzy, but everyone seemed to think they would figure out it out when the time came. Clay pulled himself out of the river, his waterlogged wings heavy and dripping. He spread them in front of one of the torches, arching his neck and trying to get warm. Feeble waves of heat wafted against his scale. Unless, Tsunami said, Clay lowered his head to look at her. Unless what? Unless we leave sooner. She flipped over and pulled herself out of the water in one graceful motion. Leave? How? On our own? Why not? If we can find a way out, why should we have to wait another two years? I'm ready to save the world now, aren't you? Clay wasn't sure he'd ever be ready about save to save the world. He'd figure that out the towns of peace would tell them they had to do. Only the three guardian dragons, Kestrel, Webb, and Dune, knew where the dragonets were hidden. But there was a whole network of talents out there getting ready for the prophecy. We can't stop the war by ourselves. We wouldn't know where to start. Tsunami flapped her wings at him in exasperation, showering him with cold droplets. We can stop two, can two stop the war on her own? She said, that's the whole point of the prophecy. Maybe in two years, Clay said, maybe by then I'll have found my dangerous side. Maybe then I'll be the ferocious dragon fighter Kestrel wants me to be. Maybe sooner, she said stubbornly. Just think about it, all right? He shifted his feet. All right, I'll think about it. At least that way he could stop arguing with her. Tsunami cocked her head. I hear dinner, the faint sound of dismayed mooing, and echoed up the tunnel behind them. She poked Clay cheerfully. Racy to the hall, T-World, and pounded away without waiting for a response. Torches in the battle room seemed dimmer and cold. Water was seeping under Clay's scales. He folded his wings and swept his tail through the debris of the smashed rock column. Tsunami was crazy. The five dragonets weren't ready to stop the war. They, w- they wouldn't even know how to survive on their own. Maybe Tsunami was brave and tough like a hero should be, but Sunny and Glory and Starflight, Clay thought all of the things that might hurt them and wished he could give them his own scales and claws and teeth for extra protection. Besides, there was no way to escape the ta- caves. The talons of peace had made sure of that. Still, part of him couldn't help wondering what it would be like to go home now instead of waiting another two years. Back to the marshes, to the swamps, to a whole tribe of mudwings who looked like him and thought like him. Back to his parents, whoever they were. What if they could do it? What if the fire dragonets could escape? and survive and save the world their own life and that's the end of chapter one so hope you enjoyed this episode and also here's a bonus thing that's ran super random so during gym class today
I found an iPhone. And then I had to turn it into the principal. Yeah, just a random thing that happened to me. So, I guess we're done. Bye.